Hey everybody, welcome to Fear Not. My name is Bruce, sitting here with Ken. My name is Ken, his name is Bruce. His name is Ken, I'm just a, a new age Christian trying to figure out his way, and Ken's a pastor for a couple years now. Yeah, yeah, a few. Uh, pastor's son my entire life. You know, so I've been I've been near the insanity for a long time, brother. A PK, huh? PK, man. PK <laughs> all the way. Well, it's one of the good ones, though. Listen until, like, you know, 20s. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never met a PK until I started going to this church. Really? Yeah, I didn't even know what PK meant. Did you, were you aware of the stigma of a preacher's kid? No. No? Because it's no. always, well, the, the, the going hypothesis is they're either perfect little goody two-shoes or they're like in juvie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if you relate that to like the LDS uh, bishop's like daughter, right. is that like, like the same? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a stigma okay. behind that, so maybe I did a little like, bit. Crosses denominational lines, then I guess. Yeah, just different context. <laughs> but uh, so going off of that, um, there's some things I've been finding out of just about my new age Christianity. And something I came across the other day, this article, uh-huh. I got to pull it up to read it just because I thought it was just this insane. And I thought it'd be a good topic to, to talk about. Yeah. So basically while I'm pulling this up, it draws the lines of where this priest, uh-huh. I think in Michigan, uh, accidentally said we, when we bat, when he baptized 800 people instead of I, Okay. So they like I now baptize you in the name of yeah. Gotcha. So and okay. they they said we baptize you in we, the name okay. of okay. Interesting. Which uh, the church came out and stated that Detroit, Michigan is when it is, and stated okay. that the the baptisms are not valid because he said we <laughs> says nearly eight hundred baptisms in Saint Anastasia Church in Troy from nineteen eighty six to nineteen ninety nine are considered invalid because of an error by. A deacon who said, we baptize instead of I baptize. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Okay. Especially because, like, it makes you question, like, where, what, why are you saved? Like, yeah. first of all. Yeah. Um, now, I have a pretty strong understanding and intuition that says that my baptism isn't what saves me. Yeah, that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, yeah. my intuition tells me that before <laughs> uh-huh. I even know the word. Right. And then you get right. to know the word and it tells you you're saved by grace and faith. Yes. Um, yeah. But I just find this so interesting because I wonder how many people are out there where they have this legalistic concept of believing in Christ. Yeah. And it's it's articles like these that I feel that keep people from even stepping into these these boundaries. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, it's tough to see. Yeah. And my- bring... Go ahead. Well, as you can say, my, my first reaction to that is that's just silly religion, man-made garbage. Yeah. You know, I'd like to know more about exactly why they feel like the the verbiage of what is said is that important to them. Yeah. I want to know why. Like, is it just those really strict parameters of this is the script and you can't deviate from it? Yeah. Or is there like profound significance to it being it must be an I baptize instead of a we baptize? You know, which I mean, clearly the guy's a, a singular man, you know, performing the baptisms. Yeah. So it's like grammatically incorrect, but that they feel that strongly about it is really, it's like, I would want to know more about it is what I'm saying. But if I'm right, that really is just silliness because it's not, it's a symbol. You said it yourself, like we're walking through Romans in Sunday mornings here around here. Like mm-hmm. it is faith alone that saves you, Yeah. you know, and then Christ says you should be baptized. 
you should often take communion. You should do these things. Yeah. But it's not communion or baptism or even good works that save you. Like yeah. those things come if you're if you're living a life correctly trying to please the Lord. Amen. Okay, but like we've talked about this before too, the thief on the cross. You know, he there, there was a kind of profession of faith, but Jesus was looking past even that to his heart. And his heart said, I believe that you are the Messiah. And Jesus says to him, today you're going to be with me in heaven. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the truth. He didn't have a chance to get off the cross, mm-hmm. start living life better, get baptized, start taking communion, start giving tithes, start serving the poor, you know? Yeah, he, yeah he's those absolutely things. safe. Exactly. Exactly. And that also, like, covers, there's a couple of things that just run, there's so many questions that run through my mind with this. Like, how many people believe in being saved right before you die, right? Uh-huh. I feel like that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people will just recognize Jesus on their deathbed uh-huh. um, and they're saved, right? Mm-hmm. Like they got no time to get baptized. Uh-huh. They got no time to go do all of what you just said. Right, right. And then another thing, question that comes up to me is wh- what do they mean the baptism's invalid? Right, like, right. Like you're yeah. stripped of your baptism. It's null and void. You know, I mean, that that makes, like, sincerely not being a Catholic. And this is Catholic we're talking about, right? I'm assuming. I mean, the name of the church, and they're referring to him as a priest and things like that. Um, I I don't know as much about the religion as I probably should. I've taken classes on it, but I forgot about it. I know, me too. I went to private Catholic school. (laughs) I should know this, man. Because you're a choir boy, man. How come you're not at school with me? Dude, I'd serve communion (laughs) in high school. Well, good. You're saved. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was just... It's humorous to me just because there's so much propaganda around this. I I feel like this article is propaganda. Why is this national news? That was a national news article? That was a national news article. I wasn't digging deep for it, man. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, I think that's that's a good observation right there. Because, like, why is it that it's important that this message gets out? What's the impetus for this? You know, whoever wrote this, I mean, I'd find it kind of interesting Right, but that it's newsworthy even in Detroit, but much less to get it out. What's the purpose of getting that out there? Amen. Is it in fact to for propaganda cause yeah, propaganda yeah. and and I mean like what's the motivation for the propaganda? Like to make people even sketchier when it comes to religion and um, you know, I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to get all cuckoo conspiracy for you, but we do Let's know do that lo- <laughs> I know, right? Lo- we do know that losing God in this country is is resorting to some uh, a serious downfall that yeah. we're going to have to come back from. Absolutely, I think the people that are in charge and, and steering this boat know that, uh-huh. and I think they also know nobody likes legalism. Yeah, so yeah, it's true. It's I guess it's like a, maybe a deterrent away from sure, faith. sure. Like if I saw that article and I already am a little suspicious of of Jesus or traumatized uh, by another church that I've been in that was mm. legal legalistic, then mm. the, it's just gonna spark a, a trigger right, right. Of, of that past trauma, right. or it's gonna confirm some uh, suspicions that you already had about church. Yeah, like exactly, like, see, they're not even valid. Like yeah. That yeah. to me is just yeah. like, what is going on? See, that that is true. Because it does, like I said, my, my knee-jerk reaction is, oh, that's silly. Yeah. I'm a church guy. I love I love the community of faith that God calls us to. Yeah. Um, I also recognize that there are some things about organized religion that is just profoundly ridiculous. Yeah. You know, we get to see past those things and still love the church. Matter of fact, I just had a conversation with a group of guys about this. And the conversation was skewing anti-church. 
And nothing that was being said was necessarily wrong. But my point, it's so Christian cliche. A lot of you listening to it say, oh, I've heard that a million times. Might be new to some people, but I've heard it said. I don't believe that you can love Jesus in a deep way without also loving his bride. You know, and that's the bride is the, the church. Yeah. And even in the mess or the things that rightly need to be changed, yeah. uh, focusing on him and not the religion thing. I still love the church, right? And this article is, especially like you said, if you're on the fence, yeah. you know, uh, you're looking at it going, that is stupid. Yeah, I was you know, say, and it makes the church believe, look stupid. Do you believe that statement to be true? What's it about the bride? Yeah. yeah. Loving Jesus means to love the bride too. I think people take it and interpret it in a different way that that could be either self-serving or requiring an allegiance to a religion. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you take it to its simplest form, Mm -hmm. the bride of Christ are the saints. And so, yes, I do believe that. Okay. I do believe that if if I love Jesus, I love his people. And that's a supernatural work, especially for, because some people, man, you've got a, a heart as big as Texas. You know, oh, you, you're, you're sincerely, you're like really, you're invested in people immediately. Um, not to be self-deprecating, but I'm cut from a more, I don't even know exactly what to term it. I have to choose to love people, you know, I mean, especially if they're, they're, you know, hard to love. There's the extra grace required people, yeah. you know, uh, but say this, when I'm really pressing into Jesus, I have this unusual love for people that are hard to love. You know, and especially if they if they carry the moniker of my brother or sister, yeah, you know, like that's okay. And I apply to myself the same grace that I've needed from the Lord. Mm-hmm. There's been times that I've been a ridiculous man. I'm not done being a ridiculous man. I will have other things that God's still working on me in, and I'm desperate for the grace and the patience and the mercy of God. So what I then want to be is somebody who gives grace and patience and mercy to people. Mm-hmm. Even when they're they're grown in the church, and I think that's that's a necessarily necessary um, thing for people who devote themselves to ministry. Okay. Is you gotta love the saints, you gotta love the bride, you gotta love the bride. Yes, a specific church. Yes, see, and that's what but I meant by bo- people will take body, that and use the it. Saints, yeah, not not the Catholic Church, that's not it. Mountain View, not, not a denomination, not, not any and, denomination, yeah. not the people inside of certain walls. Exactly it. But exactly. Would it. you also define the church as just the gospel, like God's people? Um, or you said yeah. the saints, like the, yeah, we don't believe yeah. in the saints, like the Catholics believe in the saints right. the same way. But no. what, do, what do you mean by the saints? Those who are saved. Those who, those are, who are, are calling themselves believers in Jesus Christ is a saint. Is a saint. Those those are the ones who uh, are covered in the blood that they are professing, born again. You know, I mean, if they don't use that terminology, if you believe in Jesus and you've stepped into what the Bible calls the new covenant, yeah. um, the new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ. So the believers. Yes. Yes. It makes me, everything leads to another question in this guy's head, but that makes me wonder, well, how much of, so so then I feel like that could take in certain contexts too, right? Like yeah. you find Christians only hanging out with Christians, right? Oh yeah. You seem yeah. to love that. And then they necessarily love the people that aren't believers lesser than, than they do that they are believers. Yeah. yeah. But isn't everybody a potential believer? Well, I think, you know, Paul addresses a lot of these things. As a matter of fact, he does it in sarcasm sometimes. He, he's talking about how, how believers should treat one another. 
you know, and he says, I'm not only just, you know, talking about, you know, not being around sinners, because if you're not around sinners, then he sarcastically says, you'd have to leave this world. This like, is we're all axe, broken. Right? Yeah, uh, I no, no, where is that? This. No, that's, that's in one of the epistles. Oh, don't ask me that while we're recording, dude. It's I've got okay. two Bible college degrees, and I <laughs> always, always forget references. Like, I've got the word down, but I forget <laughs> the references, right? But, no, it, it is, it, and these are just, this is the journey. Um, if we live in an echo chamber, especially an echo chamber of faith, man, you start getting kind of quirky and unrelatable to the world, and you can callous over your heart for those who are lost. You know, but there is there's there's strict guidelines about how we treat one another inside the body, and then how we love one another's one another outside the body. You know, one of the things I talked about recently too was uh, when Paul is talking about church discipline, which is very unpopular in today's day and age. But he's talking about you listen, if somebody's living in ongoing, blatant, unrepentant sin, you have this this uh, strategy, this equation on how to minister to that brother or sister. And he talks about, you know, uh, confronting him yourself in love, uh, taking him or taking one or two witnesses of brothers to this person in love, brothers or sisters. And then it talks about, you know, letting the, the church know. And then if the, it's still ongoing, Paul says, then you you put him out and you treat him as you would an unbeliever. That passage has been used to abuse far too often throughout history. Yeah. What Paul is actually saying is, because if you if you take the rest of Paul, when he's talking about loving the unbeliever and working for you know the, the salvation of the unbeliever, he's not saying you ostracize yeah. this brother or sister who has fallen away. He's saying, let's just be up, up front about they're not, they're not living a Christian life. Yeah. Okay, let's just deal with the truth of that. Stop expecting them to live a Christian life. They're they're on the outside. But we love the outside. We pray for the outside. We serve the outside. We show the love of Jesus to the outside. So yeah. it's not this us and them thing. It is when we're inside the community of faith, inside the covenant with one another, our responsibilities to each other do look different. But if somebody's on the outside, it's not a superior or inferior. It's a God is willing that none should perish. But yeah. all come to everlasting life, or yeah, everlasting life in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we treat that person in that respect and try to serve them in that way. Interesting. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I also, I also like me personally. I come from a place where if I've been saved, anybody can be saved. I've <laughs> <laughs> gone all uh, over that's the a map. Great perspective. Uh, between agnostic to straight atheist right. to whatever the case may be. Like I just believe in numbers real hard for a while, but um, I just see that. And I, I see other people's situations and the, the step from me going from so far is so little, maybe if in God's perspective, cause he's got the bird's eye view, mm. the 3000 foot view from everything. Yeah. He sees everything that was kind of placed together, but I don't, it seemed yeah. like it turned on right. a dime, right? You know, all Absolutely. of a sudden, boom. Yeah. Whoa. Yep. What was that? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's and it. I feel like everybody's just one step away. Yeah. yeah. There are You're... people in my life right now that I would have strongly assumed they would never change. Yeah. And never. I was talking with an evangelist that rolled through here a few years ago. And we, we went to the same college. Just He went a whole lot of years before me. And he's a powerful man. He's written a lot of books. He's well-respected and well-known in certain circles. And uh, in talking about college, uh, he goes... Ken, there are so many people that I graduated with 
that would literally have laughed that I'm doing this. Some of them don't even believe that I'm this man. I was so far the opposite when I was going to school. You know, and it's like that's everybody's journey to a certain degree looks that way. Amen. You know, there were days that you were cursing the heavens, cursing God, you know, either in in word or deed, uh, anti-church, you said atheist, you know, and then at some point, Jesus and circumstance are working on softening that hard heart. And you come to this, you know, salvation knowledge of him. You know, everybody has that potential. And I don't care how angry or belligerent the person is or... You know, we have to look at that through those that perspective, the, uh-huh. those eyes of potential. So with that, I related to a student yesterday who was struggling because they've made that decision like, oh, I believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus is my savior. But then he starts following what he's been told to do. Like when you become a Christian, you read God's word. And he's really struggling with that because what, what he told me is he doesn't understand the word. Yeah. And this kid's like, what, 12, 13? Yeah. I'm like, dude, I don't understand the word a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, so what I would recommend is because what it is is that urge in your heart, that total radical change and this affirmation that Jesus Christ is real and that you're saved. Mm-hmm. That's potentially what saves you. Knowing the word is starting to build a foundation and yes. knowledge and, and yeah. entering into his church, as you as you could say. Sure. Uh, so you could become a useful tool for him. That's sure. what the, the word's for, at least in my perspective. Yeah. So I told him, I was like, look, don't. I'm not going to tell you not to continue reading the word. The word is good for you. But if you don't understand it, brush by it. Yeah. You'll come across something you yeah. do understand. Yep. And then hone in on that. Yeah. But sometimes you'll come across something you don't understand, but it still tugs on your heart. Yes. That's when you write those ones down and you take it to someone who does understand that specific thing. So, but if you don't understand it, dude, brush over it. Time will come. You're you're young. Like you'll get further in your faith. Uh Um, You understanding your word does not define how much of a Christian you are Uh in any aspect. That's absolutely it. So like there's no difference between a new beginner, a new beginning faithful believer that's just stepping into the word or Mm -hmm. someone who's been doing it for years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've actually heard from some of our elders, multiple elders that I wish I had the young faith that you have. Sure. Like where, like, cause I'm so, they've been in it for so long. They don't have that, that necessarily aspiring drive. Yeah. Right. And and, and for those new Christians, I just want to just want to say, or anybody stepping into Christianity is, like you don't off have to like just jump into a Bible and become a scholar of yeah. God's word all of a sudden. Yeah. Like when you're saved, God gives you the Holy Spirit. You'll right. you'll be able to step into the that understanding soon enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it's more about turning away from your sin, recognizing yeah. your sin, turning away from it, and then confessing that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Yeah. If you do those three things, everything else will kind of puzzle piece in together. It does. Like you don't have to worry it about so the rest. does, man. I, I I've had interestingly a, a number of conversations recently about just this. Uh there's probably I've got like I mean I'm ministered to a church. Sure, that's that's you know my mission, but then in my life I've got probably I think seven guys that I'm walking next to, um, and that's not because that's God's number. It just happens to be the the number of people I've got like I'm discipling right now. Right, that wasn't intentional. Um, but I was talking with two of them recently, one one very recently, one a few months ago, who they're struggling in in reading the Word, and the one in particular was like, dude, like he he just barely saved, you know, kind of grew up near church and churchy people, but really made a, a commitment for Jesus and is falling in love with Him and wanting the Holy Spirit to, to fill his life. 
And uh, he goes, so I decided to be a good Christian and just grab the, the Bible off the shelf and start reading. The thing is, he started reading it like a Stephen King novel, yeah. right? Like cover to cover, right? And he gets through Genesis. He says, that's pretty entertaining. You know, it kind of grabs you some dull parts. But then he starts getting into the books right after that. He's like, dude, this has got nothing for me. And I'm like, no, no, that's, that's not how we do it. And your advice to like this 12, 13-year-old kid, um, there's so many good resources out there for new believers and uh, even even you know translations of the Bible that aren't really translations or paraphrases, you know. Yeah. But give them the Passion Translation. I'm going to say something I'll kick myself for, but even like the Message, you know, like these they're they're uh, paraphrases of the Word of God, but they're very digestible. Yeah. And for where he's at, that's where you need to start. And then we we grow, you know. I mean, interestingly, just yesterday, I'm downstairs in my house with my son, who's two years old, and I'm, we've got this kind of like bookshelf room where all my books are. I, I'm Stop short of calling it a library, but there's a lot of books in there. And uh, and I'm just, I'm just kind of goofing around with him, and I'm saying these things to him. That's going right over his head, clearly. But I'm, I'm literally, I'm enunciating, Caleb, I hope that you fall in love with books the way your daddy did when he's a little bit older than you. And I said, look around this room. Every single one of these books are an adventure, and they're educational, and they take you away to places. And he's, he's looking at me like, I don't care, where's my milk? You know, and then he walks <laughs> over, and he's just, I mean, he's a sweet kid, but he's like, Kind of walks away from me while I'm talking and grabs the Batman graphic novel off the shelf. And he's like, ooh, Batman! You know, nice. and looking at the pictures. And it's like one day he'll get there where he's going up and picking up, you know, a C.S. Lewis book. And diving into it and loving it. Yeah. Right now where he's at, show me the the colory pictures and the, yeah. the comic books. You know, uh, it, it's okay to grow at your rate. Mm-hmm. Um, God doesn't look at any of us and be like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? How come you can't, you know, decipher these things, especially if you're brand new? He's, yeah. it's like me with my son, dude. I don't get upset with him that he can't ride a bike. Mm-hmm. He's two, you know. I'm not like that's the easiest thing in the world to do. What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You know, he'll get there, and so will this kid, and so will these guys that I'm walking next to, and so will you, and so will I. Yeah. It's just the journey. The journey. It's the journey's so good. Something about the journey. Um, that I feel like when you're a new Christian and you start living this life, like right before that break where you usually become a Christian, um, if you've had a hard life at least, you 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 look back on your life and your focuses are how hard it's been. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then once you're saved, you look back on your life and you see nothing but what Jesus sees, right? You see the yeah. beauty, you see. And I recognized this in someone that came across, came to our church recently, and they brought their, their young one. Mm-hmm. Um, to youth. It's the second time this person's been a youth and we had a worship night and we put mics out there just like we do here. Uh-huh. And this kid went and grabbed the mic and he said something about Jesus. Wow. And I know that this mother's been struggling about her motherhood. Uh-huh. So I sent her a picture and I said, well, you, you're obviously doing something right. That's cool. And it, it like, it just kind of made her ball, right? It, uh-huh. made, it made her just, just full of emotion. Yeah. And that's, that, that just goes to show like where she's, struggling with so much or even how good of a mother she is or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. when you look at the kids of uh, the the exact example of what her motherhood is yeah. when she's not around yeah yeah i mean it was great to see for me so yeah, yeah. i mean maybe you're just being a little hard on yourself yeah. you know and, yeah and i think it's those kind of recognitions as a christian that help you grow is yeah. that you're looking back at your past mistakes and you're not ashamed of them you know right. You right. check your shame at the door, and, yeah. and, and you keep on walking forward. Yeah. And if you were to look back at the shameful things, you're looking back at them with grace. You're looking back at them with, 
wow, how yeah. far I've come. And yeah. so, much, so much different, uh, such a different paradigm. Right. To exactly. It. Exactly. I think trusting Jesus comes into that too. You know, because especially if you're, if you're looking at, like you mentioned this mother, you know, and yes, you, it's, it's a mandate from, I believe, heaven for her to parent in, to the best of her ability, yeah. but also give herself the latitude that she, like all of us are not perfect, yeah. you know, um, and it, like we need to trust God with others more often, mm-hmm. you know, let's speak the truth and let's, let's hold a high standard. Absolutely. You know, like if you're in leadership at this church, uh, it's not pharisaical or judgmental of me to say that your life should look a certain way. Mm-hmm. If you're professing to be mature enough to lead others, there are certain things, hallmarks of righteousness in your life that you should have. So I'm not talking about like just being loosey goosey about it and, you know, not addressing the growth that should be happening. But mm-hmm. we need to trust God with others far more often than we do. Mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of pastors. A lot of pastors are hurting with COVID and the, the vast majority of the statistics are most of our churches are a lot smaller than they used to be before this have certainly been through a lot of turmoil and it's just been a difficult season uh, religiously. Right. Um, And it's not that I haven't walked through that too, but walking through it, I've really just put it back into God's hands and say, you know, God, you're, you're the life changer, Mm -hmm. not my church. You are the discipler, you know, not me. It's not my responsibility to even grow this place. Right. I'm not done talking in numbers. I mean, in depth, that's God. So I focus on me, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not perfect at this, but I really am trying. I focus on my love relationship with Jesus, my understanding of the Holy Spirit, and I work on those things. And then I just trust him. God, you know what this world needs. Give it to them. You know what this community needs. Give it to us. You know, and this parent, she should live as godly a life as she can, Mm -hmm. but she needs to trust her kids with God. He's going to grow them. So I got I got a question. We'll end with this because we're running short on time. Is for those new believers that are coming into this faith where they trust nobody. Because I feel like this happens a lot. Like okay. the trust for people. I mean, the same kid that said he was struggling with the words that I don't trust anybody. Wow. I'm like, yeah. well, there's your first step is yeah. you could trust God. Yeah. Right. And, and you need to lean into this trust. Right. So and into that trust. So for those people who, do, who have just been turned on by all their friends, their family situations in life. And they feel like they can't trust their situations, their, their friends, their family, anybody really, what, what advice do you give them to trust God? Hmm. I'm going to be simplistic with this. Okay. And this is the, the inner charismatic in me coming out. I would strongly encourage them to seek an interaction with God. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not an experience driven guy. Okay. Because the bottom line is God is beautiful and holy. And and there are times that he interacts with his people in a way that's quite often euphoric. It's rapturous. And then there are many, 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 many days. He's going to teach you that your feelings aren't what drives you. It's your faith. You know, uh, so I'm not saying that, you know, in order to be convinced that God is real, you got to be you know, mountaintop experiences the rest of your life. It's just unrealistic. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But if they're that young and that's uh, foundational and that kind of preliminary in their walk, I would pray for them and s- encourage them to pray, God, will you show me who you are? Would you, and, and put yourself in scenarios. You know, don't expect God to do what he did to the Apostle Paul and knock you off your, your donkey and, you know, <laughs> hey, you don't get to be a sinner anymore, right? That, that usually doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> millions and millions, that doesn't happen. Um, but... Go to 
Go to good churches. Go to put yourself around good people. Uh, be under the tutelage of a good Bible preaching teacher. Uh, listen to worship music. Ask God, like pause, yield enough, even if it's just in your own bedroom. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you. To be around God is to innately say, I trust you. Okay? And you will have an experience, or 500, that test that commitment. For me, it's I, I can't walk away anymore because I've experienced too much. Yeah. I know too much. Yeah. And there are days I'm just like, oh, man, this this isn't working. But I know that my, to be biblical, my Redeemer liveth. I know that he's on the throne, and yeah. I know he loves me because I've experienced him enough. Amen. That trust seems so comfortable. Yeah. Seems so comfortable to have. I understand myself that it's very comfortable to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I recognize on others when they don't have it yeah. that that's what they need. Exactly. Um, and, and so I want to uh, to close this up. I want to invite anybody who needs this kind of trust in their life. Yeah. Um, to do the simple thing of just recognizing that you're a sinner like we all are, um, turning away from your sin and accepting Jesus as your Savior, asking him into your heart. It's as simple as this. Just pray with me. Lord, I, I know that I'm a sinner. Um, I know that I know that I don't live up to the potential of what I feel is righteous, but I know that you are righteous. Um, and I believe in you and, and see you as my Lord and Savior. And if I could just have you show yourself to me, show me what it is to help me follow you. Um, I'd just be so thankful for that. And, it, and I feel like it's as easy as that. So amen. Amen. Good job, man. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm trying to get as good as Greg Laurie with his, uh, his ending with uh, opening up to Jesus. So there you go. There is my first one, people. I'll get better. <laughs> Just trust me. That's a high bar. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> oh, he's like 100,000.